Good morning. Let us pray. Our Father, we are grateful for the mercy that you show us. The Bible says that wait not for your mercy that will have been consumed. We thank you for our life. We thank you for our days. We thank you for the opportunity to present ourselves before you. We thank you for your consideration of us, for your word that keeps us on the path. Lord, we thank you for another time in your presence, for the privilege to have you as our God. Bible says, blessed is a man whose God is the Lord. Our Lord, we ask that um, even as we come to you, uh, as you began with us this morning, from the Sunday school to this point, and as we sit down to listen to you, that Lord, you will grant to us uh, light and understanding. Um, We ask that the word of God will not be above our heads, that we'll be able to apply it in our own situations. Lord, we pray you anoint your word. You will grant us grace to discharge your burden. Thank you for answering our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's look at Genesis chapter 24. <clears throat> I'll read from verse 1. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my tie. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get your wife for my son from there. Praise the Lord. How many of you think we are going to be talking about marriage this morning? You are not wrong, but we are not going to be talking about marriage. (laughs) So this morning we are going to be talking about, yes, in a sense, uh, what is the work involved in getting a bride for Christ? Hmm? If I want to be, that's if I want to be fanciful. But if I want to be simple, I will simply ask, how do you grow the church? 
How do you grow the church? What is the work involved? <clears throat> and that is why we got to this place. And I wish I will point out to you quickly why we read the story of Abraham. When I was leaving the house yesterday, Kelechi insisted that I take notes. <laughs> Actually, she she did this. This is Ruth's uh, book. Uh, I bought this for Ruth. She just took it and gave it to me and said, write your sermon. <laughs> so I had to write it. <laughs> so when I go back home, I will show it to her. So um, now, the let's read Genesis chapter 12 along with what we just read. Verse 1 says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now the first thing I want to do is to for you to put these two scriptures side by side in your mind. In chapter 12, you see Abraham, and you see a very, very big vision that God has for him. Isn't it? I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. He said, in fact, that in you, in you, Abraham, in you, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That was a vision of God for Abraham. Now, when you go to chapter 24, you will see that the Bible says this same Abraham is now old. In fact, the King James Version says, and well stricken in age. The same Abraham to whom God said, I will bless you, the whole earth will be blessed through you. You will think that a man like that will live for eternity. (laughs) Isn't it? (laughs) That a man for whom God has this kind of vision will live forever. But just 12 chapters later, you are looking at the same Abraham. He is now feeble. He almost seems helpless. He's asking his servants to take an oath. Apparently, whatever he's asking his servant to do, he himself is now unable to do, right? He's unable to do. And what does that show to us? That the vision of God, the purpose of God for a life, for a people, for a church is deeper and wider than the individual. Okay? Any church, any man that God has called, whatever vision God has given to you is in itself greater than you. Alright? There is no man who can exhaust God's vision for himself. And I don't think it's too difficult to understand it. The fact is that God is infinite. God is eternal, right? Man is finite. Man is temporal. Okay? So if these two have to partner an infinite God, an eternal God, a finite man, a temporal man, 
you already see that there is a a conflict because whereas one is thinking of something that is eternal just inherent is his nature that God being eternal thinks of eternal things right that God being eternal sees an eternal vision on this other hand you have a man that is finite who cannot see like that who even if he dares to see is unable to attain it So, what does man do in order to have the vision of God continue? How do you perpetuate God's vision? How do you ensure that whatever purpose God has for you continues in spite of yourself? And that is how to grow the church. So, the first thing is to recognize that whatever God has ordained for you, Whatever God intends for this church when he called Pastor Chris, whatever it is God said is greater than Pastor Chris himself, is greater than every one of us that is sitting down here. In fact, you will observe that what makes God look important most times is the unavailability of men. Until Moses arose, Pharaoh thought he was a champion, isn't it? And you see all the years that Pharaoh oppressed Israel. Was it because God was powerless to do anything? No. It was just that there was no man on ground. If you read Genesis chapter 5, the Bible says that ever before God had caused it to rain, And the reason God hadn't caused it to rain is because, according to the Bible, there was no man to till the ground. That's what Genesis chapter 5 tells us. Not until a man appeared on the scene that could take advantage of the rain that comes from God, there was no need to send the rain. And many of the evils you see in society, many of the pain you see, many of the sufferings you see, and so many people will take it out on God. It makes God look as if God is unable to do anything. Most times, I want to suggest to you that it is because there is no man on the scene that will take advantage of whatever God wants to do. That's the reason. In fact, it is the absence of men. And by men, I don't mean just, I mean, you know that there are over 7 billion people in the world, right? No, I just don't, I don't mean the number. It is the absence of men that God can trust. It is the absence of men that God can rely on that makes God to look important. Hmm? And so, when God finds such a man, another problem arises. And that problem is, how long can that man continue to bring the will, the vision, the purpose, the plan of God to bear upon the earth. And because no man, like I said, is infinite, there is a wisdom that God, through Abraham, is showing us in Genesis chapter 24. As soon as Abraham realized that here am I with this great vision that God has given to me, but my body is failing. What's the next thing he did? 
the Bible says, he said to his servant, it is time to get a wife for Isaac. It is time to get a wife for Isaac. The reason is that if God's purpose will continue on the earth, Isaac must have a son. So we need to get a wife for him. Otherwise, this thing will stop at best after Isaac. It will stop. And so, that's the, that's the thinking. That's the heart we need to have to be able to pursue the work of God. We need to know that it is, although we are called, and you will, you will see in Genesis chapter 24 that Abraham got his blessing, right? Verse 1 says, God has blessed him in every way. And that's another point I need to note. That the individual who God calls, you will get the blessing. Okay? God will bless you in every way. But that is not the end. Okay? That you need that this, the purpose of God for this church, the purpose of God for your life. That was why when Jesus was to come, the first thing God did was to bring a John the Baptist. And if you remember the, the, the command what God ordained for John the Baptist, one of it was that he would turn the heart of the father to the children, isn't it? And the heart of the children to the fathers. is very, very important. And we can immediately begin to draw an application, even for our own homes, that it is not okay that our kids are not following us. It is not okay In fact, the first work to do, if you can do it, all right, the first work to do is to do the work at that level. Now, I'm aware that in spite of your best efforts, things could go wrong. But still, let's put in that effort, knowing that the only way to perpetuate what God is doing is to pass it down. Praise the Lord. Now, I hope that that point is clear, okay? That the vision of God doesn't stop with you. The purpose of God for Faith Bible Fellowship doesn't stop with Pastor Chris. It doesn't stop with any one of us here. In fact, by its nature, it is greater than every one of us. And what we need to do is to do the work of getting a bride for Christ. That is the work we need to do. And at the end, I'll begin to talk about who can do the work. Here we see that there is a man that the Bible calls the servant in the house of Abraham. The senior servant. And, I mean, you know that each time I come, I'm very ambitious. I, I read very long passages that I can't deal with, right? So you know also today that I can't deal with what I'm doing, right? So already we know that, I mean, chapter 24 is up to how many verses? 60 or 70-something verses. So, of course, we can't exhaust this. But we will try to see whether we can highlight some of the qualities of this servant that can, that can be engaged. You know, For instance, this man traveled, I don't know how far he went, and he was entrusted with the wife for Isaac, and he brought her back whole. Hmm? There was no story. He was alone with her for I don't know how long the journey took. And he brought her to Isaac whole. 
And there are many servants of God, so-called today, whom you will know and whose story you must have heard, who had just the opportunity to relate with the people of God and it didn't take months before we began to hear stories, isn't it? Before they began to exploit God's people. So we will see what is the quality, what are the qualities of this servant that God can rely on to, to midwife or to, to officiate this marriage of his son that will ensure that his vision for, it, for the art continues. So that's the first point I need to make. Now, the, the second point is that because this vision is greater than any one of us, there is a need for replacement. Okay? There is, if you read uh, in the book of John, the Bible says that anybody who commits sin is a servant of sin, and that servants do not abide in the house forever. Now, the point is that God is not just looking for numbers, isn't it? He's not just looking for numbers. God is looking for sons. And what is the mark of a son? The mark of a son really is not biological birth. It's semblance. It's possible for me to identify your child just because I know you, isn't it? I can see and say, oh, you look like your dad. You behave like your dad. And because all of us are adopted, you know we are not biological children of God, right? We are adopted. So what is going to mark us as sons is the extent to which we look like him. It's semblance that will mark us as sons. So this, this, so when you, when you see Abraham began to tell his servant, don't go to these people among which I'm living. That's part of the problem. If it is just to get numbers, like some people do, they put all the purple lights, all the smoke in the church, all the coffee bars, all the chocolates, and attract everybody. If that was the issue, I mean, there was no need to tell this servant to begin to undertake all that journey through the desert to get a wife. There was no need. If God was just interested in numbers, say, oh, just come and fill this place. Whoever you are, we don't care. You know, when I came to, the, when I moved to, when I came for the, for the internship in the lab, I was looking for a church to go to. So I, I, just, I was just looking around. So I found the church. I just went in. It was a church. It was a Wednesday. They were having a, some activity in the church. So I just, I just went in there. The first thing that happened was that as soon as I got to the gate, they gave me a T-shirt. <laughs> they gave me a T-shirt. So, well, I don't know what for. Because I was coming to church uh, so, but they were giving everybody who came t-shirts. So we, we had to wait outside. There was all sorts of snack, you know. It was big. The police was there. You know. Afterwards, we went in. And, you know, they started the worship. They turned off the light. Only the light on the stage was on. There was smoke, you know, flashing lights. Here and there. I was like, what is this? What is this? Well, not long after they began to advertise a youth program which they were going to do. And part of the attraction for that youth program is that they were going to invite a magician to come and perform. Hmm? From where I came from, 
Now, I know some of you think that magic is science. From where I came from, magic is voodoo. Hmm? It's not science. I'm from Africa. They do a lot of magic there. And for us, it's not science. So you can imagine my confusion. <laughs> when they said they were going to bring a magician to perform as part of a youth program. Hmm? So now, this is, this, is, this is an attempt to gather people just to look for numbers. And Abraham was careful to instruct his servant. Look, there are girls everywhere in Canaan. That's not what we are looking for. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful not to get a wife for my son Isaac from among the girls here. Hmm? What is one reason why people just want to... I know I learned that I've learned a lot of things that there are all sorts of courses pastors go to on how to grow the church. And they learn all sorts of business models of how to grow the church. And suddenly because COVID came, I learned that about 30% of people who used to come to church are no longer coming to church. And people are acting as if they are surprised. Say, but why are you surprised? They were there for the music in the first instance. There was no commitment. They were there in, in the first instance because of all the things that was attractive. That was why they were there. And so any small pressure, what did they do? They left. The Bible says that if they were part of us, they would have stuck with us. But they left to show that they were actually never part of us in the first instance. So we have made two points. Number one, that the vision of God is greater than any individual. And therefore, we must do the work of looking for replacements. Number two, that this replacement is not willy-nilly. It's not just a quest for numbers. It's not just that we are looking for anyhow, just people, let's just come, let's grow the church. Let's just come and enjoy the music. Let's just come and know we have all this uh, reception. And if, that's not the point. The point is that we are looking for a people that will involve us to do some amount of work. And the reason why many people are not willing to go and look for such men is because they don't want to do the work. They don't want to do the work. And like I said, time will fail us to begin to trace the journey of this servant of Abraham. What he had to undergo to look for a wife for Isaac. He did it to, in fact, as a job party to his own position. It will have been his interest for Isaac to be unmarried. I hope you know. Do you know that? That it would have been the, in, in the interest of this servant for Isaac to remain unmarried. Because if Isaac were to be unmarried, he would be the boss. In fact, if you remember when Abraham was praying, before Abraham had a son, Abraham was in fact telling God that this guy, this servant that you are seeing here, is going to be the inheritor of all I had. And so it was his interest to make sure that Isaac doesn't last. So he did it at a sacrifice of his own self-interest. He journeyed all the way. I don't know how far he went. And when we got there, we saw the prayer he prayed. 
we saw the commitment to immediately get a wife for his, 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 his master Isaac. We saw the message he delivered. And we will soon look at that message. When he got there, there was no fanciful thing. There was no promise. It was just the gospel. He said, look, my, my master Abraham has been blessed in every way. And God has given him a son in his old age. And this son needs to get a wife. And I have come. And when I came to there at the well, I prayed social prayer. And your daughter came. If now my journey has been profitable, please tell me or else let me face another direction. There was nothing attractive about the message. And you will now discover that when Rebecca committed it wasn't because of anything that she saw. In fact, she didn't even know for sure whether the story they are telling her is true. I hope you know she didn't see Isaac. She didn't see Isaac. So if you are confused and say, how can I tell somebody about Christ? What is the proof? There was no proof for Isaac. There was no proof. He simply told her the gospel. That this is the situation. Will you come with me? And she herself committed to take that journey back. Praise the Lord. So, that is what we are going to learn. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is, I've talked about the need for replacement. It's very important. And this replacement is not just anyhow. You know, we've done anyhow. Brought the people to church anyhow. There's no commitment. We kept them in church by serving them some things they're interested in. And every small opportunity that they had, they abandoned us. Isn't it? They turned their back on us. When you go, I, I, I don't, I'm, not like, I'm not on Facebook per se. I have a Facebook account. But I learned that many of the people who criticize the church on those platforms are so-called Christians. They are the ones that speak all evil about the church. Every small thing hurts their feelings. We have succeeded in getting people to church who think that their feeling is the most important thing. They don't like the way the song goes, they are leaving the church. They don't like the preaching, they are leaving the church. If they don't give them the attention they require, they are offended. Please, don't struggle with those people. Don't struggle with them. Let's do the work of going to look for Rebecca. Hmm? That is the work we need to do. Now, I want to talk about who is available. Who is available to us? Who are those who are available to us? Who are those we can reach? And let's look at Matthew chapter 22. And there are similar stories, yeah, in, but I want to just look at Matthew 22. There's a parable that Jesus gave there. And um, he says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. The same situation. Hmm? The king preparing the wedding banquet. He sent his servant to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants you know, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. 
The rest seized the servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servant, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. You know, I can imagine that when you think of this growing the church, when you think of getting people for the body, you might be thinking of high quality people in your eyes. Isn't it? Respectable people. People who have dignity. You see, those people were invited, they don't want to come. They are too dignified to come. And I'm thinking that this is where we might have the challenge. And we will soon look at that attitude. This is where we might have the challenge. You will be surprised that the people whom God is going to attract will not be people that meet your own definition of quality people. Hmm? They may not be people whom you will ordinarily want to associate with. You know, let's say now as we are sitting down here, somebody opens this door and comes in with piercing everywhere and tattoos all over. What will you do? Eh? Immediately you begin to discover that there's a conflict. But I'm trying to say to you that in the days ahead of us, those people will come. Those people will come. Many of them are not in the situation they are because they are arrogant. They are just confused. They are just confused. They are just in pain. And as the Lord sends us and will begin to minister to their situation, I'm telling you that we come. Many of them do not have the arrogance of the so-called well-educated, polished, high society people. They don't have it. In Cokeville, we used to go out for evangelism once a month. And I was telling Grandma yesterday that I have met all sorts of people. You know, you will go to some people's houses and knock on their door, and they just open the door and bang it. <laughs> they just bang the door in your face. You know, how are you coming to disturb me on a Saturday morning when I should be sleeping? <laughs> but some of the people who have listened to us were lesbians. I knocked on the door. The woman came out. She said, I'm living with my partner. I said, eh, so who is your partner? She says, another woman. I said, wow, I've never seen one of these before. So you're married to another woman. <laughs> you know, she said, yes. But she was very welcoming. She was asking us questions. My friends went to see somebody who was mutilating himself, a woman who wants to be a man, and was cutting off things. These people are in pain. And as the Lord begins to reach to us again and give us his grace, you will see that they will come. You know, there's a metaphor for it that happened recently. I don't know whether you guys heard about you whether you heard about Chop or Chas, the Seattle uh, the summer of love, right? According to the mail. But people were on the street. And as I saw that news, I said, Wow, this is just a metaphor for what Jesus said. He said what? 
Go to the streets. Go to the streets. So please, every kind of person will come. When you throw a net into the, into the river, you catch all sorts of fishes, isn't it? But it is not for you. It is not for you to decide who qualifies. It is not of you to begin to discriminate. The Bible says, As many that shall come to me, I will in no wise cast away. Some of the people who will come, they will not even be able to support us. In fact, they themselves will need support. I hope we will not throw them away. I hope we will not throw them away. Because we are looking for people of a particular kind of make. So, those who are available are those who will listen. If you look at the book of Second Samuel chapter 2, or chapter 22, verse 2, the Bible says it was the indebted, the dejected, the oppressed that came to David. It was not the influential people. All the ministers and the secretaries of state, they were all with Saul. It was the oppressed people in the society. It was those who were in pain. It was those who had need that gathered themselves to David. But a few years later, the Bible says they became general. When you hear people like Joab and Abishai and all of those people, initially, they didn't look as if they were going to become anything. But a few years with David, the Bible says they became warriors. So these are the people who are available. The king says, go to the streets. Go to the streets. And say to them that the dinner is served. I have prepared this banquet. And you know, as I'm talking now, I know what you what is the fear. Because even I, I have the fear. Huh? The fear is that where do you get the resources to sustain this kind of people? Is that not a fear? Where do you get the means to help this kind of people? We are talking about us needing help, needing support, right? And then you are bringing people in the mix which we will even need to steal for that support. But I hope you know that it is not even you that will provide the resources. The king himself says that the banquet is ready. And that is why we will look at the end, the quality of the servant, the heart of the servant, the capacity of the servant to be able to embark on this mission. It takes somebody of faith to be able to go and look for this kind of people and know that the king will supply their need. You know, um, we're talking with uh, Grandma Harding yesterday, and I said, um, I think that one of the things that I lack, and most times we lack, is our inability to bring God into the situation. We can bring all our rhetorical skills, every argument, every perspective, but if we are unable to bring God into the situation, it will be us versus them. But I hope you know that when God comes into a situation, nobody can argue it. There was a man who was, who was born blind. And um, the disciples did a miracle. 
and uh, it became a big controversy because the leaders they, they, they didn't want to have any of it but you know even the leaders as they were talking one of the things they said is that that a remarkable miracle has been done we cannot deny it <laughs> isn't it we can't deny it now we can do other things we can flog the disciples and say don't say anything again but that this miracle has been done we cannot deny it if we are able to bring God into a situation, yeah, people can revolt and all of that, but that there is something of quality, nobody can deny it. When they were going to stone Stephen, the Bible says, as he spoke, they looked at him and his face was radiant. And the wisdom with which he spoke, nobody could gainsay it. In fact, when they called the disciples and they were questioning them, and all these professors and doctors of the law were questioning ordinary fishermen. They spoke with such a wisdom that even the doctors were amazed, isn't it? And the Bible says they took note of them that they had been with Jesus. I think that what we need is greater than what we currently possess. And for us, for you and I, it is a matter of prayer. That God will give us. It is the king himself that is inviting these people to the banquet. It is not us. If you look at your capacity, if you look at your means, you won't do it. If you look at what you are able to accomplish, you won't go. But if God can help us to look at the king that has invited these people, do you know that God, there is no end to his resources? You know that there was a time that the Bible says that a sower sowed some wheat. And as men slept, the enemy went and sowed tares. And the angels came to him and said, let's go and cut off the tares so that they will not you know, take the nutrient from the ground. What did the man say? He said, leave them both. You know, that does not make any sense to any farmer. Because we know Naturally, that if you have tares and wheat, they are going to compete for the resources, isn't it? And whatever you want the wheat to get, the tares might take part of it. And so the wheat might not be as productive as you want it to be. But why did the man say, leave them both? It is because, as far as God is concerned, what one man took does not affect what another man can take. The resources that are available to you is not affected by the presence of another man. And that is why I said, leave them both. I'm not this kind of uh, farmer that is afraid of the limitedness of my resources. And so we need to pray that God will give us that perspective to see that it is not about us. It is not about what you can do. It's not about your strength. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about the resources at your disposal. It is about the king who said that the banquet is ready. I have made available everything that they need. And so when these people begin to come, we will know that the man who invited them is able to take care of them. You know, if if I was um, one of these... um, one of these preachers, I'll be saying you to say amen and be talking back at me so that I'll be encouraged. 
<laughs> because the way you are quiet, you're like, wow, does he even know what he's talking about? <laughs> and I say, oh, say amen. You will say amen. I say, yes, whether you believe it or not. <laughs> I'm encouraged, right? <laughs> yeah, I know it's a stretch, but it is the truth. The Bible says, if any man is going to preach the word of God, let him declare it as an oracle of God. I'm not saying it because I have attained it. I'm saying it because it is the word of God. It is the word of God. God who said, go and invite them. He said he has already prepared a banquet for them. That's what he said. He didn't say that you should prepare a banquet. Did you see that? He didn't say to the servant, please prepare a banquet and invite them to the banquet. He said, no, that I, I have prepared a banquet for them already. You just go and invite them. Now, there is an attitude which we must watch against. And in, in Luke chapter 15, we have the story of the prodigal son. Now, after that, the, the, the boy came back home in verse 11, Luke 15, 11. Okay, no, not, not look, the, the podcast started at verse 11, but I want to see verse 25, Luke 15, 25. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he heard, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Now, the first thing that is strange is the way this son behaves. Here you are, you are a son coming back to your father's house and you heard music. Being a son, what should you do? I mean, open the front door. Right? Open the front door and say, what's going on? Why, why the noise? But the Bible says he stayed and he called one of the servants. Trying to inquire from the servant what is happening. And when the servant told him, you know, verse 28 says the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And I want to tell you that those of us who have been in the kingdom for long, if we don't pray hard for our hearts, that this would be our reaction. This is the way we are going to react. First of all, their brother left home. The guy was a rascal. That's the truth. Squandered the father's resources. Now he's back and the father is throwing a party. Hmm? Obviously, the boy was not happy. And can you imagine? Can you imagine that? after they have committed yourself to God in this church for all these years, one of these kind of people that I described suddenly came into the church. And before you knew it, a few years down the line, he is the elder, instructing you what you should do. How will you respond? Hmm? Before you know it, a few years down the line, there is an obvious grace of God on his head. You can't deny it. He will say, look at this one. 
that went to squander everything. When we were here praying, getting this place ready, contributing, where were you? Today you have come and you are the one who is, you know, you think that the, you think that the, the Holy Spirit is on you. You are telling us what to do. You know, if you are not careful, that will be your reaction. So the boy came and said that, and, you know, none of us is immune from this. Even Jonah, Jonah, the prophet, God sent him to Nineveh. And he was hoping that the people would disobey so that they would be destroyed. As it turned out, they did not disobey. <laughs> they repented and God forgave them. And look at Jonah 9, chapter 4. Angry. Angry. He sat down. <laughs> just went and sat down somewhere in the sun. I was like, but why, why didn't Jonah go back to Israel? <laughs> you know, you came, God said, go and preach his message. He preached. And you are done with the job, right? Why not go back? No, he went to stay somewhere waiting for the fire to come down. He was hoping to see a scene like Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> So he sat down and nothing happened. So the man became offended. And God caused a tree to grow, you know, to provide him shade for a while. And then some worms came and ate the tree. And come and see Jonah contending with God. He said to God, I have a right to be angry. You know, God came to Jonah and said, but why are you angry? He said, I have a right to be angry. I knew, I knew you were going to do this. I, I was suspecting you from the very beginning. But because, you know, I, you also know I didn't want to come, but you know, you know, you, you just threw me into the belly of the fish. I had no choice. So I came. See what you have done. And when you look at the book of Jonah, you know, the book of Jonah ended with God asking Jonah a question. And if you don't pray for your own heart, you will have the same reaction. And I know that none of us is immune to it. Look at the Pharisees. What was their struggle? Do you think that if Jesus, were, if Jesus had been born, the son of one of the leaders, one of the members of the sect of the Sadducees, and he was dressed like one of them, do you think that they would fight him? You know, he would have been their champion. But you see that all through the ministry of Jesus, they kept fighting with him. So this prodigal son said that this son of yours, do you, re- do you realize that he did not even refer to him as my brother? He did not. The father kept saying, your brother was lost, he's found. He said, no, your son. Not my brother, your son. But he was his brother. As we take the step as we realize that look, the vision of God involves is greater than us. As we take the step to reach out, to do the work, not just to go and gather numbers of people that are close, you know, just do every gimmick to bring, no, 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 no. But as we embark on this task of bringing people that God himself has called, one of the things that we need to check, one of the things we need to keep praying about is the condition of our own hearts. That when they begin to come in, we will not become offended. Hmm? We will not become offended. And you see, the father was trying to give this boy a perspective. Say, look, no, no, no. That this boy has come back. That this boy took my resources and squandered and he has returned. Does not affect what you will get. Do you see that that's what the father was telling him? He said, look, that you have been with me. Everything I own is yours. And that tells us the heart of this boy. He thinks that now, 
this boy has shared the inheritance already. So it was 50-50. Right? Now that he has come back to the house, eventually they are going to share the remaining 50. So he is going to get 25, while this boy, long run, will get 75. Isn't it? That's his thought. That's his thinking. But the father was trying to say to him that, no, 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 it's not going to be like that. That this boy has come will never affect what you will get. That there's somebody that God has given a grace, like me now, that maybe he can come and preach, does not affect in any way what God has put in your own life. Does not make it smaller. You know, there are people who, who create this kind of tension in the body. You know, I personally do not really, really hold on to this concept of clergy and laity. I don't hold on to it so hard. There are people that elevate certain position in the church and make some other position look as if to say it is a, it is a minor position. No. If the musicians were not here today, if those who clean this church was not here to, were not there to do the cleaning, if those who are in leadership are not here to take care of the church, we will not be here. Or at least if we are here, we will not be this comfortable. So there is no position, there is no placement that God has given to you that is inferior to another. There is no reason, there is no reason in the body to look at somebody else with envy. The Bible says those who compare themselves to themselves, they are not wise. That is a polite way of saying that they are fools. Hmm? They are not wise. So as God begins to bring people, and some people are very loud, some people are very obnoxious, right? As they begin to come, you know, they want to take, they want to be in charge, right? They want to be the ones that are controlling things. Don't worry about those kind of things. We have leadership to put them in place. You know, when we have the time to talk to leadership, that's another thing. I mean, if you're a leader and somebody's obnoxious, you have to sit him down to let him know that he's nothing. Right? But that's another talk. But as for you, there's no need to envy them. There's no need to think that their position threatens you because it doesn't. It doesn't. So this is the attitude of the elder brother and we must watch it. We must check that we don't have that kind of heart. We must check that we are not quarreling with God because of what God is doing. You know, when I was in secondary school, high school now, we call it secondary school, I started started, started preaching when I was in high school. You know, and I used to feel that I was special because I could preach. There was something that happened to me one day in church. We had a guy who was in college in our church. You know, well, I think I used to, I used to feel that, oh, I'm able to preach because I was, I was very smart. You know, each time I read the Bible, you know, things are coming in my head. I say, well, I must be smart. <laughs> you know, so one day, this brother was asked to preach. You know, he was in college and I respected him. And I saw him struggling. Saw him struggling to preach. I was sitting down at the back and watching him. So I realized for the first time that I'm not smart. Because even if for nothing, the very fact that this brother is in college makes him smarter than me. But why is he struggling to preach? 
So I realized there's nothing that a man has that he was not given. There's nothing. The very fact that I could stand here, read the word of God, you know, compare verse to verse, draw some applications, tell some stories, does not make me any smart. It just means that there is a grace that God has given me. The same grace he has given to you. And there is no need, therefore, to envy someone else. There is no need, therefore, to think that somebody else threatens you. Sometimes when you are preaching, you wonder, but why am I saying all of this? But you know, God knows. God knows our hearts. He knows the condition of our heart. He knows our tendencies. And he knows what might happen. For me, if you ask me, really, I would prefer to get your wife among the daughters of Canaan. Right? It's easier. Isn't it? It's easier. And those girls, they are very attracted to flashy, flashy things. It's easier. You just organize something, you know, everybody will gather. We say, wow, we have a crowd. (laughs) Yeah, anybody can gather a crowd. And I don't know why it is. I've always wondered, why is it easy for anybody to gather a crowd? Anybody can gather a crowd. If I come up tomorrow now and start a movement, even here in this, your very first world US, and I start a movement, I call it whatever name, people will follow me. People have followed all sorts of people, all kinds, cult leaders. So that is not what we are not looking for, just crowd. We are looking for people who are willing to do the work. To go as far as it is possible to get this kind of people that God is looking for. And when you get there, there are people of all types of nature. You will find the rich, you find the well, you find the well-educated, but then you will also find the poor. You find those who are not cultured. And Jesus says, let them come in. And you will do that knowing that it does not depend on you. That the man who sent you said to you, I have prepared a banquet for them. Do you know? Do you know that had it depended on any man, most of us would not be here today? Was it because there is a man that is always following you, you know, coming to your house every Sunday morning and say, okay, okay, get ready for church? Is that the reason you have stayed in this church this many years? Is that the reason? No. If it was the power of a man, most of us would not be here. But there was something. In fact, sometimes, even when you didn't want to, that pulled you to church, isn't it? Even when you are struggling, even when you say, no, 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 I'm giving up, I'm not coming back, but you came back. Because the king himself said, I have prepared a banquet for them. So, who qualifies as a servant who will do the work? I don't know how long it will take to travel from where Abraham was back to where his people are. But it seems to me that it's not a journey of a few months. Especially since they didn't have planes then. It seems to me that it was a very long journey that this servant took 
to go and get a bride for Isaac. But you see that this servant is someone who could be trusted. When he was living, did Abraham give him what he need? No, Abraham said, you go and get whatever you need. So he had access to the store. In fact, Abraham didn't inspect anything that he did. Whatever he took and said, oh, I need this, I need, I need 200 camels, I need 15 other slave servants to go with me, I need this gold, I need this silver, and all of that. Whatever he took, Abraham let him go with it. I mean, <laughs> there were people who came to church and became pastors. And when they saw a very big offering, that's the day they resigned. <laughs> they, took all, they took the money and flee. <laughs> They took the money and ran away. Haven't you heard those stories? People who were leaders in the church, who were pastors, who stole God's money. Can you imagine this servant having access to all that Abraham had? If it was you, what would you have done? You go and start your own enterprise. And there are many people who did that. who were junior pastors under a senior pastor. And at the very slightest opportunity, they divided the church in two and took half the members and started their own. You know, that kind of thing, those people, I don't know, apart from employing those, other, those, those evil means, I don't know how else they are going to prosper. If you should change the work of God like that. There are people who live for pleasure. Particularly in our days. You know, the Bible says one of the signs of our time is that people will be lovers of pleasure. This servant was not a lover of pleasure. And that is not an indictment. Because they are awfully quiet now. But we need to know that our generation loves pleasure. The work that God is calling us to do might not be pleasurable. Hmm? If say I had the opportunity to come one of these Saturdays, I will take us out on evangelism. You will see that it's not pleasurable. You'll be knocking on people's doors. You know, each time I'm going on evangelism, I'm not afraid of a lot of things. The only thing I'm afraid of is that I know that Americans own guns. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm afraid of. So I, when I knock, I don't sit, I don't face the door, I stay by the side. <laughs> well, you know, in my mind, I don't know what I'm going to do. You imagine bring out a gun. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know how to dodge a bullet, but you know, I just like to deceive myself that I can do something. So. <laughs> I just stay by the side. But you will see that it is not pleasure. You will see that you will begin, your shame will come out. You see that your arrogance will come out. You begin to wonder, but why why am I talking to this person? There is no pleasure in it. But that is the work. I know that we pray. 
and we keep praying. But there is a work to be done. Isn't it? There is a work to inviting, to invite your colleague at work in the office. When we come, let's keep praying. Lord, grow this church. Fine. But you have to do the work. You have to invite your colleague. You have to humble yourself. See, come to church. Hmm? You know, you have never disclosed who you are, so they don't know who you are. <laughs> they don't know who you are. You look like one of these fanciful, respected person. That's the day they'll say, oh, I used to respect you. Are you one of these people? Huh? And you don't want to be told like that, right? But that is the work. That is what it takes. That's what it takes. Especially those of us who are young. You know that when you say, when you begin to speak in this manner, you might be rejected, you might not be among the, the clique and all of that. But that is what it takes. Actually, the work of expanding the kingdom of God, we do it actually, really, 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 at the expense of our lives. And if you are not willing, at least if you are not willing to put your life out there, you won't do the work. You won't do the work. Each time I think of how the gospel got to us in Africa, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know we have mosquitoes, right, in Africa? We have mosquitoes, and you folks here are really not very strong at all. <laughs> we, I mean, we used to, we live with mosquitoes. I mean, it's, it, it's daily, and it doesn't do anything to us, you know. But, I mean, you people come and just one month you are dead because of mosquitoes. These are insects. Right? That's a joke. <laughs> but missionaries who came died of malaria. That was how the gospel got to us. They came and established schools and they were not getting paid for it. They were not sending out newsletters and having 16 churches in their network supporting them. That was not how they came. I went to a missionary school that was established by people who came from here. And even me, being a Nigerian, that school is a jungle. Even me, even for me, is a jungle. Not to talk of someone who came from a world that was even more developed than mine, but they stayed there. We have the Bible in my language. It wasn't written by us. It was written by people who came from here. One of the doctors in the hospital that's where I went to school, spoke my language exceedingly more than myself. In every way, better than me. They were the ones that translated English into Igala. But they were whites, they were Americans. That's how the gospel got to us. That was the work that was done. Right? I don't want you to think that we can do any less. I don't want you to think that we can just sit down and say, oh, we are praying, we are praying, and something. No, no, no. We have to do the work. All these people who are around now in this country, 
saying all of this nonsense. If we set our hearts to do the work, at least we will save some of them. We will reach some of them. I read about Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband went to South America, I think. And a few days after they landed, the Alcas, so the, those Indians there, they shot and killed a man. And do you know what? A few months later, she was ready to go there herself. That was the work that was done. So Abraham said to his servant, put your hand on my tie and swear to me that you will not get a wife for my son among the women of Canaan, but that you will do the work. You will go back to my people. And the man went, not knowing what, we, what awaits him in the wilderness. I don't know whether they had GPS. Obviously, they didn't. And it was a wilderness. He went with camels. But that was the work that was done. And I'm praying that God will help us. I know that what I'm saying is not easy. I know it. And I don't know whether I've even communicated it well. But I know that that is what we need to do. I know that there is a component of it that has to come from God helping us. That has to come from us recognizing, looking at the king who has sent us. And knowing that this king has an infinite capacity. And that if only we will go, he is able to sustain whatever it is that is going to happen. Otherwise, the work that God is doing, the purpose of God for this church will not outlast us if we don't do the work. Each time I'm here, I wonder how many people living in this vicinity come to this church. You know, there are houses here, right? There are houses on this street. There are houses. Just take a one-mile radius. Although I know there's another church there. But I keep wondering, how many people living in this vicinity, within one-mile radius of this church, how many of them come here? And why not? Do you think like that too? Why are they not coming? Please, is there anybody here who lives within one mile of this church? Okay. Is there another person? But it's a question in my mind every time I'm here. Because the church is for them. I hope you know that this church is for the people living around here. It's for them. A church is supposed to be a local church for the people living around it. So we need to do the work. Hmm? I haven't come today as a prefect. No, no, no. I've come to say, okay, this is the word of God and this is what we need to do. And I'm praying that God will help us. That God will help us to be able to do the work. We will keep praying. Okay? But also we need to do the work. We need to take steps. And when we begin to do the work... It will not be convenient. 
I can imagine that it might even affect our resources. Hmm? I can imagine that let's say we get somebody here now who is who is struggling that we might need to support him. All right? At least with the wisdom of God, because we know that some people are, are serpents, right? But at least with the wisdom of God, those that God has given to us, I can imagine that we need to support him. We need to stretch ourselves a little bit. We need to come out of what is comfortable. We need to stop thinking of, oh, you know, you have your monthly income and you have your budget. At the middle of it, everything is about you. (laughs) Everything is about you. I can imagine that we need to come out of that a little bit. And I know that it's not easy. But that God is able to help us. Hmm? And in fact, we might begin to learn a new life. That the life of a man does not consist in the abundance of the things that he has. Hmm? That our life is not in our abundance. We might learn that. So may God help you to do the work. To reach out to these people. To bring them in, whoever it is that God is bringing in. May God help you that your heart will not become like the, the, the elder brother of the prodigal son. Which is a legitimate response. I hope you know, I'm not condemning him. It's a legitimate response to the misbehavior of his younger brother. But the father kept trying to make him see reason. Say, don't be like that. So may God help you that your own heart will not be like that. And may God help you to do the work. Let us pray. Our Father, we are grateful for your word. Um, Your word comes to stretch us. It doesn't come to leave us where we are, but to stretch us, to make us to reach further. Lord, we, we ask that you will please give us grace. You know, just little by little, all the places that our mouths have been quiet, even just to testify to our neighbor, to talk about Christ to our neighbor, that we've been quiet, we've been, we've been trying to keep a respectable uh, appearance. Lord, we ask that you will please uh, just help us to, to stretch a little and that we will continue to, to stretch to do the work that you have called us to do. Uh, grant, O oh Lord, that our, our joy, our fulfillment, our satisfaction will be in you alone, that indeed the joy of the Lord will be our strength so that whenever we do something that makes you excited, we are strengthened. Uh, bless these brethren, Lord, uh, help their endeavors. Uh, we pray the Holy Spirit will uh, interpret, you know, uh, grant, O oh God, further insight and give us wisdom on how to proceed as we look to you and desire the, the increase and the fulfillment of your vision for, for this church. Lord, we pray you will answer our prayers. And we thank you because of today and for all that you've, you've, you've brought to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.